Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time to take a ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. It is time to take a ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That means that is Alan Saunders. Before we dive into anything, like, subscribe, hit that notification bell, leave us a five-star review if you're listening somewhere that isn't YouTube. Alan, what's going on? It's a new day. Um, Steelers practice today. Are we feeling differently about the win a day later, the win over the Cleveland Browns, having watched some tape, having digested it, having slept on it for like a full or relatively full night's sleep. How are we feeling? I know you got a whole thing going on. You're not feeling great in general. Yeah, I'm not I'm not feeling great in general, no. Um I don't know that I do feel all that different. I don't know that I felt that bad about it to begin with though. Speaking on behalf of like the general fans I think you come away from that game like happy with the win, but almost feeling like kind of like, I don't want to say opening week of last season because of like the TJ injury ish where it was like, yeah, they won the game, but it was ugly and you're not feeling great about the future anyway. But just because of like the offensive performance still leaving a lot to be desired. I think that's kind of what I meant in, in terms of like them not feeling great, even though they got a win. But for me, like I just take it week by week. They came out of their one and oh this week. So that was great. Move on to the next one. Yeah, I think rewatching it, I there were some some more positives than maybe I thought there were live from okay. the defense. You know, I didn't think the defense played that well for most of the game. They just kind of hung on and then had those two bookended 
big splash plays. But when I went back and really looked at it, you know, I think it kind of underestimated how much they did pressure Deshaun Watson. Um, even in, like, not great down-and-distance situations. The one area where there's really obviously um, room to grow was inside runs. I, I think they gave up too many yards on inside carries. But, you know, that is probably the strength of the Cleveland offense in that they don't run heavy packages. There's no fullback. There, there were some extra offensive linemen, but not, not a ton. Like they're not like trapping and running power, you know, it's still zone zone blocking, but they run really well between the tackles because they have two great guards and Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller. And, I thought the Steelers without Cam Hayward got beat in the middle of the interior line. I thought Keanu Benton was good. I thought Montreus Adams was good. I thought Larry Ogunjobi was good in spurts. But on the whole, too much running up the middle. But I don't think going forward that's going to be that big of a problem. There aren't that many teams with a Nick Chubb, a Joel Batonio, and a Wyatt Teller that have that personality. Like this week's game is such a completely different challenge because the Raiders – will use a fullback. You know, they are more of a man-blocking team. They're not going to spread you out and then run up the middle like the Browns do. And so I don't feel – I think, like, the stat line is ugly, right? You don't want to give up 400 yards. You don't want to give up 198 rushing yards, right? But I think, compared to, say, the offense, I think the defense's problems feel more contained to that matchup and that opponent as opposed to, like, things I'm worried about for the rest of the season. Does that track with you? Yeah, I think that does make a lot of sense. Something I wanted to ask you about from one week to the next was actually, like, something I wanted to bring up in terms of where I saw improvement on the defense despite them getting dashed on the ground and giving up chunk plays. Obviously, like you mentioned, the big plays really coming as the splash plays, which saved the day was the communication aspect of things. I think it was fair to expect them in week one to have, with as much turnover as we've seen on that side of the football, to have some growing pains on that side of the football. From week one to week two, did you feel like that improved? And is it fair to think that that's just going to improve week to week to week? I think a couple things improved. I think their communication improved. And I think Terrell Austin did a better job of getting those new pieces into the places where they're most successful. Like, that's a big part of this. You know, when the, when the Steelers decided, okay, we're going to have three starting safeties, we're going to have three starting inside linebackers, and we're going to have, you know, a couple of guys that could be options to play the slot and three different nickel packages and two different dimes, a big part of having all that is the responsibility of Terrell Austin to get them in the right look all the time. You know, if it's like having a, a – um, if, if you have a fantasy football team where you just have, like – your seven best players are your seven best players and the line never changes unless you're hurt, unless somebody's hurt or somebody has a bye week That managerial skill, right? Like it doesn't, doesn't matter how good you are as a football manager, but if you have guys that are very equivalent talents all over the place and you're having to pick, Oh, do I want, you know, do I want this guy or that guy? Do I like this matchup or that matchup better? Like that's where coaching really comes into it. And I think, Terrell Austin did a better job in week two than week one. I think the players communicating and fulfilling their assignments did a better job of that in week two than week one. And I think, to, to, to quote Mike Tomlin here, I think it's reasonable to expect that they'll continue to get better at that. 
I don't think we've seen anywhere near the ceiling of how smoothly and how efficiently this defense can operate. I didn't think things were perfect once Minka Fitzpatrick went out of the game, but that was kind of where I was talking about too. I, I put out a tweet yesterday talking about Terrell Austin because of you know not having Minka Fitzpatrick at his disposal for the amount of snaps that they did in that football game and, and seeing an increased role for Keanu Neal and DeMonte KZ on the back end. How did you feel like things went at, at that point once Minka Fitzpatrick was no longer an option for them? Um, you know, it took a lot of it took a lot of that away from Austin, right? All the three safety yeah. looks. I mean, they did still use Elijah Riley as the third safety in the dime, um, but I think it took a lot of that away. I think that will take a lot away going forward. You know, it makes their defense much more predictable without him in there. That first interception, you know, happens because of Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, you can't even get Alex Highsmith in a position to make that play with a different person as that defensive back. And so it takes away a lot of that if he can't play. Um, his injury, obviously, will be one to monitor. And and um, But I think it's pretty telling. We got some transactions today, and uh, yes. we can run them down here real quick. So the Steelers signed a running back from the Falcons practice squad, Godwin Igwebuke. He, If you remember the uh, Lions game in 2021, oh, he's the guy with the uh, – uh, 40-yard touchdown to put Detroit ahead in the second half. Um, former college safety turned pro running back. Mm -hmm. Interesting dude. I'm not sure exactly how he fits into this offense. I'd like to get a, a better read on him after a couple practices. But um, he's signed to the active roster from the Falcons practice squad. Uh, then Braden Fajoko was promoted from the practice squad to the active roster. And uh, – Deuce I that was coming for the Cleveland game, but yeah, yeah, that's why I really think they might, they might. But again, like I said, like Cleveland is a little bit more spread out. You know, I think mm -hmm. this game is a much better matchup for a nose tackle than that one. Um, Deuce Watts, wide receiver, rookie out of Tulane, had a bunch of long receptions, but didn't grade well in terms of speed. Kind of reminds me of like. James Washington light version. So I don't know. We'll oh, see okay. um, how that goes. But, you know, like guy who's not that big, but just runs good deep routes. Good, not that big and not that fast, but just gets down there and gets the ball somehow. I averaged like mm -hmm. 20 yards a catch last year at Tulane and had eight touchdowns. I think you'd yeah. take that. Um, so he joins the practice squad, three transactions, whatever. Uh, they didn't add any kind of safety. <laughs> so right, yeah. I think that's pretty telling that we have these transactions today uh, very clearly, you know, uh, adding Fahoko to the roster to replace Cam Hayward, adding a running back to replace Anthony McFarland, backfilling a practice squad player to help offset the potential absence of Gunnar Olszewski who's in the concussion protocol. Uh, didn't, didn't seem to – feel the need to make a move at safety where by the way they're not that deep they really only have yeah. elijah riley miles killebrew like doesn't even play safety and mm -hmm. i mean he, he it's his nominal position but he basically only plays special teams and they don't even have like a true safety on the practice squad right now uh trenton thompson i guess they just have one but uh you know, not the deepest position in the world so i feel pretty good about minka fitzpatrick's long-term availability if they're not making a move to add a safety right now and uh, we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, I think, you know, circling back to the defense, just uh, I think 
and, and the other thing is like, okay, we you asked yesterday, like, is is there is their splash play production sustainable? And I said, well, you know, mm-hmm. probably not, but um maybe like some of it is, you know, and, and I think there's you know, to, to do that without Cam Hayward, to get the last one without Minka in there, like that, there's a lot of what they're doing right now is real. There's no there's no question about that to me. Yeah, I, I think you know, sustain you can take sustainability and maybe make it a few different things. The turnover production, absolutely, like getting to the quarterback, that can be there, but you can't expect them to score two touchdowns every single week, and that's right. kind of where yeah. you know people could maybe take the way I was asking that and go with that, but that's not what I meant. I meant the turnover production, the ability to get to Deshaun Watson six times and, and pressure him a lot more than even that. So that was kind of what I was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I So I, I came away feeling a lot better about the defense. Um, not really about the offense. I think we're still I think we're still in the bad place there. Huh? Yeah, and I, and I think that that's, you know, I it's just so hard because when things are as bad as they've been for the Steelers' offense, and we're not just talking about this two-game sample size, we're talking about, you know, a couple seasons now where things just haven't been right on that side of the football. And and so I get that there's just like an impatience from the fan base. I mean, I'm part of that. Um, but people really seem to have a hard time figuring out where to, like, divvy the blame. Like, who is to blame for this particular thing who's to blame for this particular thing so when you watch back monday night's performance what did you come away as like the number one glaring issue within the offense i wish it was one thing it would be very easy to point out yeah uh, that's true y- you know like i just the overwhelming thing yeah th- there's there's so much you know i i didn't think canada had that bad of a game when i was watching it live in terms of just like what to call when um, mm-hmm. really going back and looking at it though, I think there are some real sort of like tough problems that the Steelers offense has that I don't know that I see easy solutions for. Like, here's one of them. They're way too easy to predict run pass. Najee Harris alluded to this today. Yeah. Like they're way too easy to predict run pass based on I mean, I think Canada is a fairly, like, by-the-book play caller. And, look, the book is the book for a reason. It's not necessarily a bad thing. But he's a fairly by-the-book play caller in terms of, like, down and distance puts him into this box. You, you know what I mean? Like, he, he's, yeah. he's pretty mm-hmm. he's pretty basic there. Like, he's not a guy you see, like, handoff up the middle on third and ten or, you know. He, he generally calls the plays that people are pretty much expecting for a situation. Um, so, so that's one. Two is, I think the Steelers really need to decide whether they want to be an under center team or a shotgun team and pick one. Because when they go under center, they run at such a high percentage that it makes it so easy to key run pass just based on that one thing. And then Kenny is not that good under center either. So they kind of limit what they're doing, you know, the play calls. Like most of the time when Pickett's under center and it's a play, it's like one of the bootlegs. It's some kind of half field read. Like it's all the stuff that people hate about this offense. Those are the the under center passes. And 
Like they had a lot of success in this in this game running, and Derek Bell wrote a great story, Steelersnow.com, uh, for our subscribers. If you haven't subscribed, I got a promo code for you. Uh Alan10, A-L-A-N-10. If you haven't subscribed to Steelersnow.com, put that promo code in and get you 10% off of an annual subscription. It's 40 bucks. It's well worth it. Uh Derek wrote today big long film study about the success the Steelers had in shotgun play action. And that's like the big play of George Pickens was that, and there were others. I just think they, they aren't good enough at either to, I, I'm not sure that there's like a right answer as to what the, you know, it's not clear to me which one they should go, but yeah, the back and forth doesn't seem to be working very well. Like they did shotgun play action, but they never run out of the shotgun. And by the way, Najee Harris, not the world's best shotgun running back. So like, I don't know, they have, like, that's why these are hard problems to fix, right? You have a, and you have a, a running back that would be best if you lined your quarterback up under center. You have a quarterback that would be best if you always lined him up in the shotgun. Uh, you have a quarterback who would be way better if you can use more play action, but he has to be in the shotgun to be good but then you can't run out of the shotgun because your running back's not good there. Like it just, none of it fits together. And so that to me is one of the problems with this offense. And that like, so here's the thing I want to talk about today. We got a comment about Jalen Warren versus Najee Harris. And I kind of want to get into this because, so go and read the comment first, I guess, before we, before we go any further, if you have it up. Yeah, uh, Marlon says Jalen Warren definitely needs more touches. Looks way more explosive than Najee. Need to take advantage of his speed. Uh, I'll because it's a two part thing, but the other part is about the defense. So I, yeah, I, I guess we'll, we can say we'll yeah. Just, yeah, just leave this here. Thanks, uh, Marlon. You said thanks. Dude. Yeah, it's a it's a point I've heard from a lot of people, and I think it's a good one. I think Jalen Warren looks more explosive and more decisive than Najee Harris, but uh, Najee Harris is running at a higher yards per carry. Najee Harris is also running in all of these obvious run down situations that don't work. You know, if you look at Najee Harris's runs from this game, it's like 17, zero, 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 one, negative one, 21, zero, one, two. Like that's mm-hmm. not sustainable for an offense that needs to stay on schedule. You can't say Najee's going to average four and a half yards per carry. So we're going to give him the ball 10 times. But seven of those ten times, we're going to be staring at second and eight or worse. Like, that's that's not sustainable for this offense. I think Jalen Warren is a much better shotgun running back than Najee Harris is. So, like, I think you you almost – it's like the Steelers are running two offenses and trying to fit them together, right? You have the, like, shotgun, run-heavy – uh, I'm sorry, the, the under center run heavy, the, the offense that wore down bad teams at the end of last year, right? That it was not, it, it was not explosive. It didn't score a lot of points, but it held on to the ball, got Najee Harris, a lot of rushing yards and won them football games. Like that's one mm-hmm. offense. And then I think you have the offense that the Steelers kind of want to have where Kenny's slinging it and George is running around. And I think Jalen Warren is much better suited to that offense. And I really think, in the intermix between the two kind of things that they're trying to do, they're kind of getting the worst of both worlds. I don't know how to fix this problem. I'm only able to identify it. Uh, but I think that is the fundamental thing that is going wrong in terms of scheme design and play calling. 
that the Steelers' pieces aren't bad. I'm not saying Najee Harris is a bad running back, but he doesn't fit what the rest of the offense is best at. Kenny Pickett has not been a good quarterback. You could make an argument Kenny Pickett is a bad quarterback, but then you should probably be trying to do the things that take it easiest on your not very good quarterback. I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is, but it seems like a conundrum, especially with Deontay Johnson out, because I think that makes them that much less explosive in the passing game and that much more reliant on the same kind of offense we saw down the stretch last year. Yeah, and real quick, just for me to touch on the the Najee Jalen thing here, um, I I like Jalen more in, uh, because of what he can do as a receiver out of the backfield and getting him in space. Yeah. And whether it's a run play or those plays that you know you say are like an extension of the run game and just getting the ball into his hands in space. I don't know if people realize this. Currently tied for the team lead in receptions and second on the team in receiving yards is Jalen Warren. Um, so yeah, I like him more kind of in that role. I don't, I don't expect him to ever be a guy that you're going to hand the ball to 20 times between the tackles runner and say, you know, go and go and fill that role. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. I think that in an ideal Steelers offense, if they find a way to get this working, they both have a role within it. But, uh, to your point, there's so many things right now that are wrong with his offense. I don't even know how we get to the point where you are utilizing both of them to the best of their ability. Yeah, I think really the best case scenario is you just hope for incremental improvement. We did, I believe, see incremental improvement from week one to week two. As long as that continues, I don't think you're going to see anything drastic. Mike Tomlin said on Tuesday, I don't see any knee-jerk reactions here. Um, I I think that's almost always the right idea. Um, But there may be a time when that – that reaction is not knee-jerk, right? Or if you start out really badly and then you maybe start to get better and then and then you get worse again, I don't think that's a knee-jerk reaction. I think that's an appropriate reaction at that point. Yeah, I would agree. I want to ask you about a player that we didn't necessarily – this is not This is literally for me. This is for Zach Smith here. This is if, – if you want, I can type in the YouTube comments real quick so I can say it's a YouTube comment. But I want to ask you about a player that I feel like, obviously, you know, the offense as a whole has been disappointing. Not seeing Kenny translate from, you know, the second half of last year and what was in the preseason has been disappointing. I have been severely disappointed, maybe the most disappointed, with the performance of Isaac Samalo on the offensive line. The offensive line as a whole hasn't been very good, but what say you to that? Yeah. You know, the player that I saw in the preseason was such a difference maker. I think that's the other reason that I've been a little bit underwhelmed by what Sam Malo has done. Obviously some quality defensive lines here early on. No question. Mm -hmm. The 49ers and the Browns are two of the better defensive lines in the league, but I've not been really impressed by the offensive line's play. I didn't think the offensive line gave Kenny very much time in this game, uh, and they got a lot of help. Like, that's a that's a death problem for an offense also when you're keeping six and seven players in the block all the time and your quarterback is still not able to sit still and make his reads. It really, really makes it hard on him. You know, and, and I think that happened a lot in this game where the Steelers were keeping guys in and they were not – getting clean pockets for Kenny, even though they were keeping help. Now, part of that is the guys they were keeping in, but Jalen Warren, who is a very good pass protector as running back, had kind of an iffy day in that regard. And I thought Pat Fryermuth has been downright bad at every blocking assignment he's been given this year, including 
pass protection. And that has certainly not helped. But, uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't think that, uh, that there's any, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that, that uh, the offensive line can be better. And it, it needs to be because uh, they spent some money there. They invested a first-round pick. Obviously, we haven't seen Broderick Jones on the field yet. But uh, that was obviously an area of attention for the team in the offseason. And I'm pretty sure they're not satisfied with where it's been. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we've had a whole uh, – you got in your soapbox about PFF, and we could continue to have conversations, I feel like, about those ratings every single day. But obviously, the Steelers' offensive line has not graded out very well um, – by their measurements in uh, the first two weeks here, even even to the point where Miles Garrett, who, you know, if you were watching Monday night's game, probably didn't notice him right away. Now, if you go back and watch tape, he was, you know, he was winning against Dan Moore and stuff. Didn't really impact the game, though, in many ways. He graded out better than the player that just won AFC Defensive Player of the Week in Alex Highsmith. How, how, how is this possible, Alan? What are we doing? Uh, we're doing enough. I don't know. It's nonsense. <laughs> I mean, we've kind of talked about this, but you know, you can't, um, so there's like some theory here that makes sense, right? The theory is that it's the same theory as like, uh, Corsi and hockey, right? Okay. Corsi and hockey is like, Hey, you know, goals are good, but goals are hard to get. So what are the pieces that go into goals? because we want more of those. Well, in hockey, the answer is shots. We want shots, okay? Shots are, are, are you know, most players, you take about 10 shots, you should average about a goal, okay? So what is the what is the pass rush analog here? Well, they've created the stat, and PFF isn't the only one to do this, called pass rush win rate. Uh, the problem with this is that football is not hockey, and there are no events you know, in hockey, you have an event. You have a shot that is recorded by the statistician, and it is an event. In pass rush, the only events are the end of the pass rush. Either uh, there's a sack, there's a pass breakup, there's a penalty, there's a completion, an incompletion, or the quarterback runs. Like, that's it. Like We, the, the, we don't have enough events to make a statistical analysis like we can in hockey when it comes to courses. So they, they invented them. They've now said this pass rush win rate where they assign a win or a loss to every pass rush rep for the defensive player and for the offensive player. ESPN does theirs based on time and the little sprite ball things that uh, the tracker data uses. And so mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you, if the offensive lineman and the defensive lineman are still together after two and a half seconds, they call it a win for the offense. I don't know what PFF uses because it's magic and sorcery and they can't dare tell us their formula or we'll all find out that their entire company is a fraud machine. So uh, there's that. But the, the concept is just fatally flawed because it doesn't take into any account the job of the offensive lineman changing on a play-to-play basis. You know, like, if if I'm Pat Framers and I'm on the backside of a run play, if you want to run, like, the wrong direction, well, I'll let you get as much separation from you as, you as you want, but that doesn't mean that I did a bad job of blocking you. That means I did a good job of blocking you. 
If the play is a slant, I only need to block for one second. If the play is a Hail Mary, I might need to block for five. Two and a half is this arbitrary figure that sits in the middle and does no justice to anyone. And so it, it's, it's, and it's all an attempt to say how many sacks would a person, should we expect a person to get? But, you know, we have that number. It's the sacks. Like, there's no, to me, it doesn't add any value to me that, oh, well, he won 62% of his pass. Like, the only thing, I will say this, there's one area where I think that, that you could add to what we have in the counting stats is that if a player was going to get the quarterback but his teammate got there first, like that's about the only thing I can say is like, a, well, yeah. yeah, okay, that's that was a win and there was nothing else you could have done. Your teammate just got there first and, yeah, you're getting dinged unfairly for that one. But otherwise, this like mythical pass rush win – it doesn't result in pressure on the quarterback. Doesn't result in a missed throw, a batted down pass, a penalty, a sack, a quarterback hit. What good does it do? It doesn't do anything to anyone. So I don't know why we're counting them. You know, it's it's like. Do you, it, it goes back to the the word that I used earlier was sustainability. I think it's putting all the stock in the world in the process of the things, but not into the result of the actual play. But it's like only one piece of the process. And even yeah. then, like the process they're using to identify the process is so deeply flawed that it, it what could you possibly learn from that number that you can't learn from watching a game and counting the sacks and the pressures and the quarterback hits and the holding penalties and the pass breakups? I, I don't know. Like, do you want me to say that Miles Garrett is good? Yeah, no. Crap, Miles Garrett is good. Like you're not telling me anything that anybody that's ever watched him play doesn't already know. Was Miles Garrett impactful? That's a better word than good. Was Miles Garrett impactful on that game Monday night? Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. So what are you trying to measure? Are you trying to measure good? Well, of course Miles Garrett's good, but I don't need PFF to tell me that. If you're trying to measure impact, he was not impactful in that game. Yeah. I Alex Highsmith, AFC Defensive Player of the Week, was very impactful yeah, in this impactful. game. What were your thoughts on his yeah. performance? Oh, outstanding. I think Alex Highsmith is one of the keys to the Steelers' defense going forward. You know, when you're looking at a defense that doesn't have Cam Hayward and it may not have Minka Fitzpatrick, you, know, you need people to step up. And I think Alex Highsmith showed last year when T.J. Watt wasn't in, in there that he is not quite ready to be, like, the dude for a whole defense. But, it's, you know, in terms of like a guy that can step up and make big plays on a game in and game out basis, he is absolutely that man. He just finds the football. How about his coverage skills? I asked Mike Tomlin about that this week and he kind of laughed, mm-hmm. but like makes an interception, kind of right place, right time. But remember, he locked up digs in the preseason. Like he, he kind of yeah. looks like he recorded his first career interception against Lamar in Baltimore before he got his first sack. Yeah, right. Like he can kind of cover. I just think he's a very – I think people see his contributions and they compare him to TJ and they say, well, TJ's on the field too, so it's hard to separate what he does, and that's true. And by the way, that's a whole other part of that conversation before that we weren't even talking about is like how much attention are you getting as a, mm-hmm. as a, as a blocker? Or, you know, it completely changes whether you're doing a good job or a bad job. You know, if I'm a guard and I'm solo blocking – 
Aaron Donald, but I have to give up a yard. Well, hey, great job. <laughs> you know, like if if I'm a guard and I'm supposed to be pulling and the only person in my way is a safety and I can only move him one yard, that wasn't a very good job. But, you know, you, you hear a little sprite say I moved backwards a yard and over here a little sprite say I moved forward a yard. So I must have lost and I must have won. Well, that's, that's not how football works, man. Um, it, it's not complicated, but I think it, it largely defies large-scale attempts at quantification because of the concepts that we're talking about. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Alan, did you have anything else? I don't think so. Do you have any more comments you want to get to? I was going through as we were talking here. I was looking for, oh, what was the one yesterday that I mentioned um, that we didn't have time to bring up? Oh, this would be interesting too. I don't want to divert. I feel like we have some conversation about Canada, but somebody brought up um, how their differences uh, in, in blocking schemes against, you know, when it's a run play and when it's a pass play. And that could maybe go into the predictability of the offense as a whole. So what would you say to that? Is that something that you've picked up on as well? So this person actually, Derek, this is Thomas Brocious, who has already won one of our ball knower of the week awards. So shout yeah, out to him. But Derek mentioned this, um, which he thought was an interesting point. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know if you're talking about like just in terms of like how they, how they block or, um, but yeah, I think they're very predictable run pass. It's, it's definitely a big problem. Blocking schemes. Yeah. He, he's basically just saying that the blocking scheme uh, is different in the run in the past. So it's easy for the defense to pick up what they're doing right off the bat. Yeah, I agree. Uh, keep the comments coming. We will crown another ball knower <laughs> of the week. This imagine week. if somebody like uh, imagine if somebody is, and I can't even imagine that there's a world where the same person is able to pull off both, but imagine there's a world where somebody gets a ball knower of the week award and also has the best Steelers afternoon drive. We would just have to have that person on the show all the time. I think at that point, they would just yeah. get hired. I think that would be, that'd be sufficient. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I'm sure that person is out there. So send us your vehicles, send us your comments slash questions in the YouTube comments of this episode. So we can get to some of them on the next one, which we'll be back for tomorrow. But Alan, until then, tell the people where they can find you. At a Saunders underscore PGH on X. PGH Steelers now is the Steelers account there. Steelersnow.com is the website. Subscribe to our SN Plus. Get all Derek Bell stuff, my stuff, Nick Fairbaugh stuff. The best of the best. That's the plus stuff. That's what you really want. If you're hardcore into football and Steelers football, 10% off the promo code Allen10. Check that out. I'm going to give one of those away here. Also, I've ordered the jersey. Should I tell you who it is or should it be a surprise? I would say let it be a surprise. I, I'm going to say be, make it a surprise just to kind of go with the theme that we kind of have had here with, like, we're going to be teasing that, like, Carter could potentially be coming on at any moment. Oh, yeah. Carter uh, like, could be here tomorrow. I don't know. Maybe he will be. <laughs> we're just going to, like, that's that's kind of the theme that we've been rolling with. So I don't think the people should know. What all the right, all is. right. We will be giving away a Steelers jersey. I may not tell you who it is. It's not Christian Koontz. Maybe that's what we'll do. Just every day we can just cross, cross off one, one off the list, right? It is not Christian Koontz. Okay. Uh, we'll, I'll, tomorrow I'll tell you also who it is not. And, uh, yeah, keep the photos coming of the, the vehicles. We love them. We want to talk about them. 
Uh, I think that's it. Yeah. Ravens game. I'm going to go down there. I'm going to go on the water and see if I can find some type of Steelers afternoon water drive. Submarine. We're going to look for a boat. Yeah. That's 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 what I want as a submarine. That would be awesome. Steelers um, afternoon helicopter. <laughs> whatever yeah, you got. Whatever it is. Um, I am Zachary say, hey, Smith, look, PGH. We're desperate. I'll take a 10 speed at this point. Give me a Steelers afternoon huffy, okay? He, Antonio Brown, when he used to come into camp in a helicopter, like if that was a Steelers afternoon helicopter, that would have been that would have been Juju's what we were bike. For. Juju's bike. Yeah, we could have rated Juju's there we go. bike. Maybe we'll do one in the Steelers parking lot one day. There, there are some rides there. None of them have Steelers logos on them, but there are some rides. Oh. Mm. Okay. Well, I'm Zachary Smith, PGH. As Alan said, subscribe, like, hit that notification bell. Leave us a five-star review if you're listening somewhere that isn't YouTube. But until tomorrow, for Alan Saunders, I'm Zachary Smith. Thanks for jumping in, taking another ride with us on the Steelers Afternoon Drive. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.